Chapter Twenty Nine of Campfire Girls at Twin Lakes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Lucy Burgoyne. Campfire Girls at Twin Lakes, or The Quest of a Summer Vacation, by Stella M. Francis. Chapter Twenty Nine: A Cruel Woman. Catherine, Hazel, Ernestine, and Azalea found it no easy task to pick their way through the dark timber more than half a mile to the Graham cottage. Several times, finding themselves hopelessly entangled in a thicket, or stumbling over disagreeably uneven ground, and fearful of losing their way, they made use of their flashlights until able to continue their journey satisfactorily. But after they caught their first glimpse of the light in the Graham cottage, they made no further use of the flashlights, guided by the illuminated windows and their memory of the surroundings. They made their way over the intervening space until within a hundred feet of the house, where they halted and looked and listened for about fifteen minutes. First, they wished to make sure that there was no dog on the place. They were reasonably certain that the Grahams kept no watchdog, as several of the girls had been careful to check up in this regard when passing near or calling at the cottage. But, as additional precaution, they made a careful inspection from a safe distance on this scouting expedition before venturing close to the house. The night was clear and warm, but no moon was shining. There was a stillness in the air which alone might have been expected to cause a dog to howl for very lonesomeness. Even while the four scouts were waiting for evidence of a canine guard at the Graham place, far away in the distance there came a mournful howl from a mournful hound in a farmyard. The sound was repeated several times, and although there were two or three echoing responses from as many neighbouring sources, none came from the kinship kennel of the Graham premises. At last Catherine and Hazel decided it was safe to advance nearer to the house, leaving Azalea and Ernestine at the edge of the timber to watch for any condition or circumstance that might prove unfriendly to their venture. The two leaders advanced across the clearing. As they neared the building, a sound, which they had not heard before, reached their ears, and drove from their minds all thought or fear of a watchdog. The sound was like the plaintive cry of a child, and seemed to be muffled as if coming through two or three thick walls. There were two windows on the side of the house, nearest the advancing girl scouts. Through the drawn shade of one of these came the rays of incandescent bulbs which lighted the room. The other window was dark. The advance of Catherine and Hazel was guided now by the seeming source of the muffled cry. As they started for the house, 
their initial impulse was to direct their steps toward the lighted window, but as they approached the building, almost unconsciously, they veered gradually to the right until they found themselves standing close to the unlighted window at the rear. Without a doubt the muffled sounds came from this part of the cottage. A whispered conversation between the girls resulted in the following procedure. Hazel stood guard at a distance of ten or fifteen feet, while Catherine stood close to the window, almost pressing her ear against the glass in order the better to hear the sounds that interested them. For two or three minutes the listener continued in this attitude. Then she went to where Hazel stood, and the latter advanced to the window, and did likewise. She also tried the sash to see if it was locked, succeeding in raising it slightly, so that the sounds within reached her ear more distinctly. Several minutes later both of the girls returned to the edge of the clearing, and rejoined their two companions stationed there. A low-voiced consultation was held, at the close of which Hazel said, Well, all this means that we'll have to return to the cottage and stay there until we find out something more. Let's see what we can discover in the front of the house. She and Catherine accordingly went back and directed their inspection as Hazel had suggested. The shade trees did not cover the lower pane to the full limit, and they were able to look in and get a fairly good view of the room. Mrs. Graham and Jimmy Jr. apparently were the only members of the family at home, if we may disregard as one of the family, little Glen, who undoubtedly was the author of the muffled sobs. Mrs. Graham was reading a fashion magazine, and her son was playing solitaire at a card table. Almost the first view acquainted the girls with the fact that the woman was much disconcerted over something, and it soon became evident that the cause of this nervousness was the sound of weeping that reached her through the closed door of an adjoining room. Presently she arose, with a hard look on her face, and determined manner, and moved in the direction from which the offending noise came. Catherine and Hazel did not take the additional precaution this time of alternating as watcher and guard. They stood together at the window, and as they saw Mrs. Graham open the door, they moved quickly to the window next toward the rear. By the time they reached it, this room also was lighted. Fortunately, a similar condition existed here, also with reference to the width of the window shade, and they were able to get a fairly good view of this apartment. Mrs. Graham evidently was disposed to lose no time and to leave ground for no misunderstanding as to her purpose. She threw open a second door, this time a closet door, and the girls beheld a sight that fairly made their blood boil. There sat little Glen on a chair with a rope wound around his body, arms and legs, 
securing him so firmly to the article of furniture on which he was seated that he could scarcely move a muscle. His face was wet with tears, and a picture of suffering. For the first time the watchers observed that the woman had a leather strap in her hand, and they were still further horrified when they saw her swing it cruelly against the bare legs of the quivering child. Once, twice, she struck the boy. Hazel and Catherine could hardly contain their indignation. Indeed, it is not at all to be doubted that they would have attempted to interfere on the spot if an interruption had not come from another source before the third blow could fall. There was a disturbance in the front of the house. Somebody had entered and was talking in a loud voice. Mrs. Graham let her arm fall without dealing the third blow for which she had raised it as a man entered the room in anything but mild and pleasant manner. "'What are you doing, Mrs. Graham?' he demanded. "'What did I tell you about this conduct of yours? Do you realize that you are bringing things to a climax, where I'll wash my hands of the whole affair?' The speaker was Pierce Langford. End of chapter 29